I think the margins that you have are pretty good. But for me, the yellow to red flag is the dependency in America to truly scale to where she wants to get to. It means she has to go over there now. And if she's not going over there now and is only going there in a year or two, she's essentially saying in one year or so, they're going to generate 50 odd million in revenue in a new market in the first go. Hello and welcome to Represented by Secret Leaders Podcast. If this is your first time listening, then let me give you a quick lowdown. We're here to give more representation to black founders creating scalable businesses as currently just 0.5% of all funding goes to black funded businesses in Europe. So throughout this series, you're going to hear one pitch per week and get the inside track on how investors grill entrepreneurs on their business, how they respond and whether they want to proceed and consider investing. If you're an entrepreneur looking to apply or you're an investor looking to consider investing, investing in underrepresented founders, please sign up at secretleaders.com forward slash represented. On to today's show then, where we have investors Gloria Monfrini, formerly of Uber, and now an active angel investor and partner at Redbus Capital, Novo Abakari, who exited his business Sift and now Angel Invest, and Yvonne Bajela, a partner at Impact X Capital. They are here to hear more from today's guest, Jocelyn, from Afrocentrics, which is a black hair care company servicing a multi-billion dollar industry with great skills. So over to today's guest with the pitch. Take it away, Jocelyn. It's time for your pitch. Hi everyone, I'm Joycelyn, I'm the co-founder of Afrocentrics and at Afrocentrics we formulate manufacture natural products for Afro hair. I'm here to present Afrocentrics to you. We're creating the CASP of the £37 billion black hair industry globally. 70% of black women feel the high street does not meet their needs. So that means they go on an endless rabbit trail trying to find the perfect products for their hair, for their skin, etc. We're solving the problem of, of the high street not meeting black women's needs through creating natural products for Afro hair. We have really strong margins, 82% online, 40 to 60% retail. Um, we have strong lifetime value to CAC, 51 to 1, which is £712 to 14, and our average basket spend of £45. We also have customers on average come back to us every one and a half months. So... What makes Afrocentric special is that we're community-led. We have over 1,500 reviews with an average of 4.7 star rating across our products. Customers absolutely love us and word of mouth is one of our strongest marketing points. We're data and science driven. So we use the data that our customers give us to create better products and content that help our customers care for their hair. We're innovative and natural. So most industry giants like Unilever, L'Oreal, will get straight dresses, curl it and test their product on on those hairs. We test our products straight onto Afro hair to make sure that our products are very high performing. Our customers love us because our products give them confidence. We have countless of customers emailing us, telling us that our products have changed their hair, that it's given them confidence to wear their hair naturally and that they don't know where they've been. (laughs) They don't know where we've been all their lives and they were so happy to find us. So the landscape is that typical black hair products are toxic, they're ineffective, which is why black women are normally called product junkies, which means they hoard products, but it's not because they're vain, it's because a lot of stuff doesn't work and it's inaccessible. So normally you'd get Afro hair products from places that have a high African and Caribbean um, 
demographic. Um, and a lot of brands do not sell direct to consumer. So that means you normally have to get them from a retailer, which means that the customer experience is awful. We create safe products. Our formulations are 91 to 100% natural. They're super effective as shown by our 4.7 out of 5 average customer rating. And we're accessible. We have a subscription club. We go direct to consumer. We create content to um, foster a community around solving Afro hair products. The market is huge, 37 billion globally, and that's just hair products, doesn't include services or add-ons like weaves and extensions, etc. In the UK is 88 million, and we hope to take 5% of that market in the next 12 months. The competitive landscape is humongous. There are a lot of products for Afro hair, and we sit right in between safe and natural and direct to consumer. It's very weird that um, a lot of Afro hair products aren't direct consumer. They go straight through retailers. Large giants like Unilever, L'Oreal, Procter & Gamble are not really serving this market. So our sales growth has been incredible over the last few months. We've grown by over a thousand percent. We have an average online monthly revenue of 43,000. And in June, we hit just under 80k with a spike from uh, Black Pound Day. We dipped a little bit in July, that was due to not having enough products, not having enough stock, but we've restocked now and the sales are growing. So we're raising 2.3 million to grow our team, to invest in our research and development, manufacturing operations and marketing. So uh, most of the money will be going into research and development and marketing because we own the complete supply chain. So we make all our products in-house, we formulate all in-house, we have to test externally because of um, industry regulations, but being able to manufacture in-house means that we weren't impacted by COVID, for example, because we had complete control over the supply chain. So our projections are very promising. So we have a massive rise in 2023 when we hope to raise our Series A, and that's because of a global expansion where we hope to go to, where we will be going actually to the US um, and Africa as well, because there's a massive appetite for Afro hair products there. The market, for example, in New York, there are more black people in New York than there are in the whole of the UK. So we know there's appetite there. We already have customers buying on our website from America. We have access to Whole Foods UK, um, America, which is over 400 stores. But yes, we definitely want are going to be expanding, which is uh, why those numbers are really high. We've received really good press. We don't even use PR agencies. We get contacted by these companies because they really like the Afrocentric story. Um, we've been featured in Metro, Independent, Stylist, Daily Mail. They came knocking at the door to, for us. And we've received numerous awards, some of which have come with free money. Our team is super strong. I'm uh, one of the co-founders. I deal with finance, logistics and retail sales, mainly operations. I basically make sure the business runs. Rachel does a lot of strategy, legal and digital marketing. She's um, lead. She leads our marketing team. So why invest in Afrocentrics now? The market is ripe for our products with year on year growth of over a thousand percent. Our projections of 150 million over the next three years, we are poised to take over the Afro hair market with our amazing products. Um, we have a direct relationship with our customers. We know what they want. We recently launched a website quiz four months ago, and we've had over 5,000 people complete that quiz. And that quiz alone has a conversion rate of 15%. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement in June also has shown, sorry, 
a 700% rise in people searching for Black-owned products. Because we make products mainly for Afro hair, which means a lot of Black women are our customers, they care about who owns the brand. They care about women who look like them making products for them. And they're very, very loyal once they try our products. So diversity in beauty has been ignored for long enough. We know our market really well. We know how to serve their needs. We know how to formulate products really well for our market. So we believe that Afrocentrics will be able to dominate the Afro hair space. Yvonne, as is custom, always first with the questions, straight into you. Thank you, uh, Jason. That was an uh, incredible pitch. Um, I just wanted to dig into the numbers a little bit more. So um, I noticed in your pitch deck, you mentioned that, you know, particularly on the, the retailer side, if you were to supply to only 25% of the retailers, that would generate 1 million in revenue. I just wanted to unpack that, get a better understanding of that, and then drill a bit into the D2C side of things quickly. So with 200 stores buying 36 products bi-monthly, that brings in a revenue of just over a million. So Holland and Barrett have actually agreed to stock us in 83 stores, but we're still negotiating how many stores we will be um, stocking there. Superdrug came knocking on our doors in January and then COVID hit and we were at the point of negotiating a contract margins and stuff like that. And then COVID hit and we were like, we're not doing any B2B because um, we want to just pause on that and just do online only. So that's basically um, the numbers. So that's 200 stores across the stores we currently supply, which is about 14 and then Holland and Barrett and then Superdrug and Holland and Barrett have over 800 stores. Superdrug have over again, 800 as well. And they want to roll us out into 200, but I don't know if we want to go into 200 straight away. We might start with 100 to just see how it goes and then go into more. But our actual B2B ratio to online ratio is in our first year, it's 30% and then it's 25%. And then it goes down to about 4% because we really want to focus on online. And in terms of that direct-to-consumer piece, what's the split between the subscription um, customers and those that are just buying one-off purchases? So most of the customers are not subscribers. um, And I think that's because our model needs to change. So we're changing the model this month to paying up front for subscription, which means that um, the customer can decide how many cycles they want and how much period they want to subscribe. So for example, six months or 12 months, and they pay up front, which means they'll get a large percentage and free delivery on every order. Right now, it's just 5% and they don't get free delivery. And we're also trying to nurture those customers as well. So every order goes out with a gift. We've partnered with other Black-owned bands who can give us things like birthday cards, candles, stuff like that. So extra gifts to reward those customers who... Um, have chosen to subscribe. And in terms of the the bigger picture, what's the vision for the company, um, say longer term over the next five or 10 years? You spoke a little bit about plans to expand geographically into the US and Africa. I noticed that, you know, there was mention in your deck of potentially launching a skincare brand. Why a skincare brand? Why why is that a space that you want to go into? Why not focus on um, the hair care? And between now and obviously in 2023, I noticed, as you did mention as well, there's like a massive jump in net profits. I just wanted to understand, like, what's the steps to achieve that? The overall vision of Afrocentrics is to be the, the corporate brand for the black and mixed race consumer. So think about brands like Unilever L'Oreal, um, who provide household goods, cosmetics, food, all of that. We want to do that for the Afro consumer because we believe that that market is ignored. And we believe that also the 
biggest pain point for black women is hair. And a lot of black women are still not comfortable or confident with their hair because they've been told that there's something wrong with their hair. They need to straighten it. They need to relax it. They need to do all sorts of things to it. But our tagline is making natural simple. We think Afro is very simple. You just need the right products. So we're tackling hair care first. In the next 12 months, we'll be launching two new products and potentially another range for hair. And then skincare is another big pain point as well, because if you look at the skincare market, there is a, gr- a, a growth in the direct-to-consumer skincare market. So you've got brands like Paula's Choice, Glossier, et cetera, et cetera, who are catering to the skincare market, but none of them are, are formulating with darker skin first. And the reason why that's important is because darker skin has a different pH balance, so it needs different types of products. And then you've got different people living in different climates. So you've got people living in the Caribbean, people living in Africa, people living in Europe. Skin care needs to be different for those climates, and that's what we want to do. So we're more, we're going with what is the biggest pain point in our market? Let's solve that problem. Uh, even referenced, you know, the huge surge in growth that you're going from in 2022 to 2023, you essentially grow about 12x. And I'm assu- it says global expansion. So I'm assuming you're going to lots of different markets there. Like, where is your core growth coming from? Is it going to be the UK, US or is it Africa? So just to give you context, it sounds like a lot. But in the last year, we've grown by 20x. So we definitely know that over 2022 to 2023, we can grow by over 12x. The core growth will come from the global expansion. I think the US is one of our big, will be one of our biggest markets. Also Europe and Africa as well. And our growth will come from the number of SKUs we have. We've been able to grow by over 20x by just adding one more SKU in the last 12 months. So by 2023, we will probably have five times the number of products we have. So we may not have all our customers who are buying our hair care products, but some might buy baby products or some might buy skincare products. So we'll be diversifying our market. So not only are we going global, we're adding more SKUs to our range to serve more markets. Do you have a view on which market would be the biggest driver though? Will America be 80%? I think the US will probably be one of our biggest drivers. And just to clarify, um, did you say the UK market was £80 million? Yeah, so £88 million. That's just products, so not including services or like, you know, hair extensions or hair straighteners. And that's stuff that we want to do. So we've got products, but we've also got like towels on our website and hair accessories and bonnets and stuff like that. So our projections are literally just the bottles of shampoos, conditioners and stuff like that. I'd like to take a moment to tell you all about Akiki Skincare, which is a great business run by a mother and a daughter and is a West African-inspired skin and home care brand focused on providing natural, handmade products whilst paying homage to their Nigerian and Ghanaian heritage. You can check out Okiki Skincare, that's O-K-I-K-I skincare.co.uk or at Akiki Skincare on social media and give them some support and get some great stuff for your home. So I guess it's, it's fair to say that US is is like almost central to your vision of becoming the global company. Yeah, when we started Afrocentrics, we said that we wanted to go east more than west. Um, so what that meant was we wanted to go to Europe more and Africa more. But the data is showing that we have more demand in the US. And also, I think when it comes to the hair care space, the US tends to lead culturally. 
So if we can, you know, yeah. lead in the UK and then lead in the US, then it's quite easy to dominate other global markets just because the culture is set, the trend is set in America. I would say like the natural hair or Afro hair market in the UK is probably like 10 years behind the US. And um, sorry to bang on about the US, just uh, what's the current, how much of your current revenue is made up of US spenders right now? So most of our revenue is is UK. I would say about 90% is UK, 5% Europe, 5% US. And what's going to be the key driver to accelerate US, essentially? Having a team out there, working with influencers. So basically building out a lean team there that's probably going to be based in New York or Atlanta. One of those two cities is what we're aiming for. Maybe a, a, another team on the west coast but we know that we definitely need to have a u.s presence even like you know being involved in trade shows like essence fest car fest those types of events and I'm, I'm already building networks out there so that when i do go out there i can you know scope the market a little bit more it's a very different market to the uk in the uk people care about the fact that it's black owned and it's a big deal in the u.s it's very normal for afro yeah. hair products to be black owned it's not that big of a deal but I have spoken to people who help brands launch in stores like Sephora and um, they have said that we probably need to focus more on the scientific aspect of our product rather than the founder aspect because, uh, you know, we do formulate our products scientifically and we're very keen on, you know, women in STEM. We're basically trying to, to recreate our story for a different market. I'm not going in there naive thinking, well, it works in the UK, let's just do the same thing in the US, it's a different market. But... It's a ripe market. Gloria. Thank you so much again for, for a wonderful pitch. You mentioned in the pitch deck that you had some unfulfilled demand these past months due to stock management and logistics issues. I wondered if you could shed, shed a bit more light on, on, on those issues and how you've been able to uh, resolve them and, and plan for future, for a very ambitious future growth. So one of the issues was we kept running out of product and because the surge in the sales went up really quickly, it meant that we had to hire, we hired four new people during the pandemic who were able to come in every day to make products. So before we were making about 3,800 products monthly, now we make just under 10,000 products monthly and that's all in-house manually with four people and one production manager. We also bought new equipment. So we've got a semi-automatic filling machine and labeling machine, which has significantly cut down time. But we're, we've also just partnered with a contract manufacturer who will be making some of our products bar two SKUs because they're still working on development. Um, and while we do that for the next year and a half, we'll be planning on how to scale up our manufacturing in-house even bigger because for us to retain the strong margins that we have now, we have to keep the manufacturing in-house, but planning that out with managing the growth um, and producing in-house just won't work. So we're going to outsource that, get that out of the way, and then concentrate on just marketing and, and growing. We were also able to outsource our pick and packing, our fulfillment. So we were doing it all in-house until April and we've outsourced all of that. So we're just making the products, getting it to the fulfillment house um, and then doing the marketing. And how did you deal with the customers who had the intent to buy your product and you weren't able to fulfill it in terms of customer delight and uh, managing managing that relationship? 
So we're very honest with our customers. If the product is sold out and we're not able to get it to them sooner, we put underneath the product pre-order and products will be shipped by and we tell them the date that it will be shipped by. A lot of customers are very understanding because they just want to see us win. They're very loyal, so they're like, okay, fine, I'll wait. So that's how we manage that process. Uh, We don't get everything right all the time, but we definitely always say that what's important is that we keep the customer informed. And when it comes to black hair products, people tend to not expect really good customer service. But a lot of the reviews we get is the customer service was incredible. It was fantastic. Yeah, and we tell our team that, you know, we we won't always get things right. But when when it's wrong, we will strive to make it right. And, And we have to tell the customer that we have to keep them informed in every step of the way. So, yeah, we're just very transparent. We tell them when it will be shipped out. When they email us, we tell them, you know, we're we're struggling. Um, Please bear with us. So, yeah, just transparency is how we manage it. Okay, investors, so quick thoughts on on how how you found the pitch and how you find the business from an investment point of view and if you're interested in taking it further. So, um, Novo, how about we start with you? That's a good pitch. I think she did well, given the time restraint. Um, I think the margins that you have are, are pretty good. I think she may be potentially sacrificing growth for the sake of 5% at a very early stage, which doesn't seem quite necessary. But for me, the yellow to red flag is the dependency in America to truly scale to where she wants to get to. America and Africa and sort of the hesitance to go there now. Because if the market in the UK is 80 million, which is a good market, but you want to build a business in three years time, that's going to be doing, what was it, 60 odd million in revenue. It means she has to go over there now. And if she's not going over there now and is only going in a year or two, she's essentially saying in one year or so, they're going to generate 50 odd million in revenue in a new market in the first go. So that's for my perspective. Um, Aside from that, I thought everything was very good. And what do you think in terms of investment? Do you think it's one for you? Not entirely sure? I think for me, um, because of the dependency on the US launch, I, I'd like to see more traction or more willingness to gain traction in the US, um, considering the US is only 5% of their revenues right now. Right now, it looks like they can, they can scale in the US. Um, I'm unsure what the valuation is. Um, assuming that it's, she's raising 2.3 million, and let's say she's giving away the standard sort of 15-ish percent, then she's probably raising a pre-money of around, what, 10 million-ish. Um, makes me think it's a bit rich because I'd, I'd probably be investing now on a capability in the UK market. I'd almost write off the potential of the US for now. Okay, so Gloria, what about yourself? What are you thinking? I feel like Novo took the words out of my out of my mouth. Originally, when I saw the deck, I thought it was it was a little bit too ambitious um, for what she was revealing in terms of the expertise and and the um, traction that they've built so far in the UK. Um, now I understand they want to expand in the in the US and in Africa. I would need to see much much more aggressive attitude towards tackling those markets yesterday. I have some concerns around this in-house manufacturing, being able to keep up with the with the demand. My intuition tells me that they're being quite conservative in terms of how much product they're producing and then not able to fulfill demand. Um, I think that can work in the early stages because as she mentioned, 
customers are loyal and they want to support the business and they want to see it work. But at scale, you can't really operate operate that way. But I think it's it's a super exciting um, space and someone you know will own and, and win that, that space. And when you look at the competitor analysis, and some of these brands have been in the market you know, longer than we've, everyone in this call has been alive. Um, so there definitely needs to be a strong disruptor, direct-to-consumer brand who, who owns this space. Um, and for me, the team that's going to, to do that is really going to be very, very aggressive about going after the markets where, where their consumers are. Yvonne, what about yourself? Um, I thought that was a great pitch. Um, really, really resonates with me um, as someone with natural hair. So I fully understand the need for a product like this. Um, I do think the revenue projections, uh, the product uh, profit projections were quite aggressive. And I wonder how much um, they've actually penetrated the UK market alone. So for me, it's one that I would like to definitely unpack a bit further, understand the expansion strategy, get an understanding of the real growth levers, and the manufacturing and inventory risk and whether they're fully utilizing the contract manufacturers if it's only 5% margin that they're going to lose. So we've got uh, three different judges who have all been very impressed with your pitch, of course, but uh, this is an opportunity for them to share some of their uh, quick, snappy feedback for you and whether or not they'd like to take it further. So we're going to kick things off with Gloria first. Thank you so much for the great pitch. I um, think that it's a very exciting market opportunity and you have gained some loyal customers and, and some traction in the UK. I would love to see you be more aggressive about entering the markets where um, the majority of your customers are living and you have extremely ambitious, ambitious projections and I think in order to, to meet those projections, um, you're going to have to be super aggressive uh, entering those markets as soon as possible. And Thank I'd you. like to speak to speak more. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Novo, how about you? What do you think? Similarly echoing Glory's words, I think you did a great pitch. Uh, when I read your deck, it was, it was very exciting to see the ambition you put in your projections, as lofty as they may be. It would have been good to see you match that ambition with sort of your go-to-market strategy as well, in terms of like going to Africa or going to the US a lot earlier to try and justify how you can get to those numbers. From my perspective, because I didn't see that, I almost discount the US uh, market until I can see some traction there. I think the 5% you have now is interesting, but for it to be worth 80-odd million in profits, net profits in uh, sort of three years' time, I can't quite bridge that gap right now. So whilst I was very impressed, um, I wouldn't want to see more. Okay. And Yvonne? Yeah, so I thought it was a really, really impressive pitch. So thank you very much. Um, and as I mentioned, it really does resonate with me. Um, you know, someone's got to win in this D2C space. I do think that the revenue projections were quite aggressive. And I do, I do have a question around how much you've actually penetrated the UK market. I do want to spend a bit more time unpacking that expansion strategy, get an understanding of those growth levers, and also understand how you're going to scale the operations to meet the, the level of growth that you're projecting as well. Um, so I definitely like to continue the conversation. 
Okay, yeah, so Joycelyn, how did you find, firstly, how did you find the pitch? Um, and you say it was your first time on a podcast, therefore, how did you find the nerves of it? And then, realistically, how, what do you think of the feedback? I found the pitch, I think I just kind of raced through it because, as I said, I hadn't done that pitch before and I normally pitch with my business partner, so it was interesting doing and uh, pitching a new pitch there. I think some of the points that the, the investors mentioned were fair. I do think that when you see like a little bit of growth, little bit of growth, then massive growth in a bar chart form, it's very easy to dwell on questioning that. But I'm very confident that we can hit those sales because as I said last year, we 20x our sales. So why can't I do it again? Yeah. Okay, awesome. So before we go for any listeners listening, where can they buy Afrocentrics products? Where can they follow you on social media? Where can they get in touch with you personally as well? So anything you want to share about uh, following you and your journey? So you can find us on our website, afrocentrics.com, across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the socials at Afrocentrics. And if you want to follow me personally, uh, my Twitter handle is joymatespeaks. So that's J-O-Y, mate, as in, hello, mate, <laughs> speaks, as in speaking. And if you want to follow my business partner on Twitter, her name is Ray Corson. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time pitching today. And I'm looking forward to following up with what we hope is great news, but sounds brilliant. And I'm really excited to see how you guys develop. So thank you. Thanks for having us. If you're an investor interested to learn more about the great applications we're getting from black founded companies and want access to their funding decks and even introductions, or you're an entrepreneur looking to apply to be on the show to be considered by our investment committee, either way, please go to secretleaders.com forward slash represented and follow the links there. Big thanks to our producer, Rich Martel, editor Harry Morton of Lower Street Media and illustrator Christina Katz for helping put this show together. We'll see you on the next episode and remember to help us spread the word and make sure we get more black founders represented. See you next week.